Well, this morning, I am privileged uh, again to preach on, this is part two, the precious blood of Jesus. Now, if you missed part one last week, I would encourage you to go on our church website, www.bcfaog, for Assembly of God, bcfaog.org. And underneath that website, or in that website, you will find resources. Click on that button, and under resources, you will find sermons. And there is part one from last week, what I preached, and we'll get to that a little bit, a little bit of review. But then there's also all the messages from the Wednesday night Bible study on the last book in our Bible, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the book of Revelations. And so that is all there as well. And this past Wednesday, we kind of did like a part two, if you will, on the blood and, and the sacrifice of Christ and why he is our great Passover lamb. Talk more about that from Revelation chapter 5. This week, we're going into the first seal, Revelation chapter 6. And so if you can join us on Wednesday evenings, I start teaching at 6 or thereabouts to about 7.15. And so that's pretty much timed out. But uh, we'll, we'll talk this Wednesday about the Daniel 70th week as well as beginning on the seals from Revelation chapter 6. Now, in part 1 uh, last week, we talked about what the blood of Christ is all about. We talked about blood being sprinkled versus blood being shed. And I won't get into all that, but we looked at you know, the Passover in Exodus 12, Exodus 24, Leviticus 16, various passages from the book of Hebrews, as well as 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll go back to that today, as well as Revelation 1, 5 and Revelation 12, and a lot of other scriptures that went along with that. And really my desire... Uh, last week, today, even last Wednesday, is for us to have a greater or a fuller understanding of the blood of Jesus Christ and how it can work wonderful changes in our daily lives. Now, the word blood occurs three times as often as the cross of Christ in the Bible, five times as frequently as death, and as I mentioned last week, there are 43 references to the blood of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, all testifying to its great importance in the salvation and daily life of the Christ follower. Now, even, our, even in our communion service, which will be next week, the second Sunday of the month, Family Communion Sunday, we will commemorate Christ's death with a ceremony, if you think about it, a ceremony based on blood. All right, even Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant. You'll recall while they were eating, Jesus took some bread. And after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and says, take, eat, this is my body. Now, we as a church believe these are representative of Christ's body. I know some churches out there, and it deals with consubstantiation versus transubstantiation, big theological terms. But some churches believe that the bread actually turns into the physical body of Christ, and you are physically eating his body and physically drinking his blood. We don't believe that. We believe it is a representation of, and so it's representative of. But that's why Christ says, take, eat, this is my body. And then you recall uh, he had taken a cup, given thanks, and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for, the, for, the, for many for the forgiveness of sins. But then he says this, but I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. 
So not only do we commemorate his, his death, his sacrifice, and, and, and look at what he's done for us, but we look forward to doing it with him again, with, with him again in heaven, amen? And so we're looking forward to that. But basically, Jesus is simply using imagery or symbolism to communicate an idea, whereas the bread and the wine were symbols of his death on the cross. You'll recall that his body was beaten, it was bloodied, it was cut and punctured, and his blood spilled out to the ground. Matter of fact, Isaiah, if you do the study on this, but Isaiah tells us that he was beaten so violently that he was beyond recognition, Isaiah 52, 14. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. In other words, Jesus was so disfigured that he hardly looked human. That's how, that's how badly they beat him. All right, so every time we partake of Holy Communion, we memorialize his sacrifice. It is the blood of the new covenant. And we do this in, as it says, in remembrance of what he's done. And so we'll be doing that next week. Now, last Sunday, I shared with you a few songs that we sing regarding the blood, a few more that maybe you can think about. Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, Let Me Hide Myself in Thee, Let the Water and the Blood from thy wounded side which flowed, be of sin of double cure, save from wrath, and make me pure. We, 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 uh, we know that hymn. Uh, another one is, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Uh, how about Andre Crouch's, The blood will never lose its power. The chorus, it reaches to the highest mountain, it flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength from day to day will never lose its power. Amen. We sang this morning, beginning with, uh, as we opened up, Because of You, or There's a Place by Paul Oakley. And the chorus is, Because of You, Because of You, Because of Your Love, Because of Your Blood. All of our sins are washed away, and we can live forever. Now we have this hope because of You. Uh, we sang last week twice, at the beginning at the end, to close with this, uh, a, a new favorite of mine from Charity Gale, uh, Thank You, Jesus, for the Blood. You know, the blood applied. Very scriptural, very, very good words to that chorus. Love singing that. And so there's no, mistakenly about, there's no mistaking about it. Christianity and the blood of Christ are unmistakably linked, interlinked together. You'll even recall that Judas, the key figure during Passion Week, the betrayer, spoke of Christ's blood as being innocent blood. Peter called it the precious blood of Christ in 1 Peter chapter 1. If you want to turn there, I want to read that in context. You know what Peter writes under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter chapter 1, then looking at verses 13 through 25. 1 Peter 1, 13 through 25. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy." Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives how as strangers here in reverent fear. 
For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but you were redeemed with, verse 19, the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, you believe in God who raised from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. And so what am I saying? I'm saying it's right to preach on the precious blood of Christ. This is the word being preached to you. Peter says, you are redeemed from what? The empty way of life. How many know that life without Jesus is empty? All right. You are redeemed from the empty way of life. How? With the precious blood of Christ, a lamb, a lamb. We talked about the lamb this past Wednesday in Revelation chapter 5. The lamb with seven eyes and seven horns, which are the seven spirits of God. Dealt with all that last Wednesday. If you miss it, you can listen to it online. But we talked about the lamb. Even John the Baptist would cry out prophetically, Behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Apostle Paul says, For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. You see, all of these images deal with the precious blood of Christ. The blood occupies a prominent place in Scripture because God has no other way of dealing with sin or sinners save through the blood. Now, one of the verses I opened up with last week is Hebrews chapter 9, and that was verse 12. It says, He, Jesus, did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood. Obtained, he, he obtained eternal redemption, having obtained eternal redemption. What I'm going to do today is shift gears a little bit, and we're going to talk about nine blessings or nine benefits that flow from the blood. Nine blessings, and I'm just going to move right into this because of the time and everything else, but nine things this morning. I realize sometimes my sermons are pointless. Well, I have nine points this morning to share with you. Number one is this. <laughs> Jesus' blood redeems us from sin and the power of darkness. The blessing of the forgiveness of our sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7, In Him we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Uh, so we have redemption. He redeems us. Going back to 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, It was not with perishable things that you were redeemed. It's not about the silver. It's not about the gold. But something more costly. And that was with the precious blood of Christ Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect. We used to sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the lamb. 
or an older chorus back in the 70s. I used to play this on guitar when I could play guitar years ago, not going there now. So I surprised some of you by singing this morning. But I says, I've been redeemed. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And it repeats, it's I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, filled with the Holy Ghost I am. All my sins are washed away. I've been redeemed. How many know that one? Really? Wow, you surprised me. All right. So we have these choruses, we have these songs, but we have this really this, this biblical fact that we have been redeemed because of the blood. Because of the blood, we don't have to live in condemnation. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to live in bondage. Now, a lot of people have been redeemed, but they're not living like it. They're not living under the blessing of, of redemption that God has for us. They don't know because... They live in fear, they live in condemnation or whatever. They're like the man who has built up a huge debt and can't pay it. And the man's wealthy boss comes along, he pays all his bills without telling the employee, and then he calls the, the employee in to give him the good news. Well, the man sits down, he's handed the pages of debts, he flips through the pages to see the list of bills that he's accumulated. He thinks, you know, I will never be able to pay all this. They're going to throw me in jail. When the CEO, the boss, sees the man's fearful countenance, he's perplexed. He says, excuse me, sir, didn't you look at page one? And the man flips back to page one. And on page one of all those debts is, are these words, paid in full. Friends, our sins have been paid in full by the Son of God, by Jesus Christ himself. But yet, how sad it is, many Christians today are going to the pages and think, how am I going to do this? How am I going to deal, deal with this? It's been paid for, hallelujah. We have been ransomed. We have been redeemed because of the blood. I love this quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, it is blasphemy to take back to ourselves all the sins that were laid on Christ. I agree. You see, yes, we broke God's law, but glory to God, he paid the fine. Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. That's why we have to enter into the knowledge that, that with faith that, hey, we can have peace with God all because of this fact of redemption, number one. Number two. Jesus' blood purchased the church of God. Acts 2, verse 28, says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. He bought the church. Therefore, I submit to you this morning, Baseline Christian Fellowship is not Pastor Brian's church. I did not shed my blood for the church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we are affiliated with the Assemblies of God, but this is not the Arizona Ministry Network's church. It's not the Assemblies of God church. This is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, a church that Jesus shed his blood for, and Jesus himself said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah! Friends, Jesus Christ this is his church, and guess what? His church is not up for sale. And forget the idea 
that Satan is bringing down the church. Don't wring your hands and moan and complain. Oh no, the church in America is going to hell. No, it's not. It's going to heaven. Why? Because it is the blood-bought church for eternity. Blood-bought because of Christ. Now, let me just say this. I do see that there is a moving away from God and the church in this country. Yes, I've read the reports on the computer this past week because after all, everything you read on the internet is true. <laughs> you know, But a number of churches are closing at rapid numbers in the U.S. Did you realize that in 2019, 4,500 Protestant churches closed? In the year 2020, think about COVID, in the year 2020, more than 4,000 churches closed in America in 2020. Over that same time, over 20,000 pastors left the ministry and 50% of current pastors say they would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. Yes, congregations are dwindling. Yes, the younger generation of Americans are abandoning Christianity altogether. Yes, the church attendance in America is down. And honestly, that's why America is facing the problems that we're facing because we're moving away from God and God's word. I see all that. And then I also see, you know, while, while COVID-19 may have accelerated the decline, there is a broader, long-running trend of people moving away from Christ and God and His church in general. Now, speaking of COVID, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I looked at our attendance roster since COVID hit in March of 2020. And we are down just a little over 40 people since March of 2020. Some have passed away, three from COVID. Many have moved away, 14 to date, and four others looking at moving when their house is sold. But quite a few people have simply stopped attending church altogether. Almost 20 here. Now, you might not want to hear this, and those listening by internet might not want to hear this, but if you can go out to eat at restaurants, if you can go out shopping for your groceries, if you can go out to visit family and friends and everywhere else for that matter, you can go to church. In other words, you didn't quit church because of COVID, but because of a heart problem. You might not want to hear it, but it's the truth. And the church said, amen. I also know that many people would like to do away with the church altogether. I got news for those that want to do away with the church altogether. It's still the church of Jesus Christ, and his church will prevail. You don't believe me? Join us on Wednesday nights as we study Revelation, and if you get to the last few chapters, you will see it is still a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a radiant bride, and it's going to be a bride that's beautiful, a bride that has prepared herself, who has her wedding garments on, a bride that is victorious, hallelujah he is coming back for his blood-bought church victorious amen amen i read an article this past week by dr michael brown called god is not going out in a whimper he says god is not going to end this age with a whimper or on a note of defeat instead he will bring his grand plan to pass with a climax 
a climax of redemption and outpouring and salvation. Friends, our message today is a message of triumph, not defeat. It's a message of the power of the gospel and the sufficiency of grace. It's a message of life out of death and resurrection out of crucifixion. Light will triumph over darkness. Nothing can stop the advance of the kingdom of God. Nothing can withstand the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing can thwart the authority of Jesus Christ. This is why the New Testament is marked by a note of victory despite persecution, despite imprisonment, torture, and even martyrdom. In the words of Jesus, as I've quoted, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And in this world. Yeah, you're going to have trouble, but take heart, Jesus said, for I have overcome the world. Hallelujah. The words of John, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Greater is Christ in you than he, Satan, who's in the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. You see, the church that Jesus Christ is building will be triumphant, not in our own strength, but in his. And so when we come to an end of ourselves, we really do come to the beginning of his grace. Now, I say all that to say that I have read the book, you have read the book, we know the character of God. We know the promises of God. We know what the scripture says. And after all, Isaiah has told us, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Oh yes, there's darkness. There's darkness covering the earth. And thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you and nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. You see, God is not done with, with this world yet. God is not done saving people yet, amen? The church is not a washed up entity, whatever. No, it is still the blood-bought church of Jesus Christ. And he will come back for a radiant church. It's the blood-bought church triumphant. Number two. Number three. Jesus' blood breaks down all walls. Breaks down all walls, all barriers. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14, it says, Yes, at one time you were far away from God, but now in Christ you are brought near to God through the blood of Christ's death. Because of Christ we, have, we now have peace. Christ made both Jews and non-Jews one people. They were separated as there, were a, as there was a wall between them. But Christ broke down that wall of hate by giving his own body. Let me just say it this way. I realize that there are different nationalities worshiping here, but our church really has no walls or no nationalities. See, I don't see nationalities. I see people, people who are loved by God and people who love God. I like to say it this way. The blood of Jesus is colorblind. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. We're one in Christ. We're a blood-bought church a church that is unified and one because of his blood. See, the walls have come down. And let me also add and be so bold to say this morning that if you are prejudiced, then you don't have the heart of God, period. Revelation 5, 9, looked at this last Wednesday, and they sang a new song, speaking of the Lamb, speaking of Christ. You are worthy 
to take the scroll and to open its seals. Because you were slain and with your blood you have purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Glory to God. Think about heaven. Think about the wonders of heaven as you stand alongside someone from a different tribe or a different language or a different people group or a different nation. Friends, it's going to be awesome. The walls have come down because the gospel today is still for whosoever will. I'm a whosoever, and so are you. Amen. Number four, Jesus' blood cleanses us. The fourth blessing. 1 John 1, 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, literally cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Once again, we are cleansed. Hebrews 10, 22. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. You see, the blood of Christ cleanses our guilty consciences to the point that we want to keep it from being tainted again. In other words, he set me free, why go back into bondage? Amen? Now, for those who take the blood of Christ for granted, this is what they sound like. A man consulted a doctor. Doctor, I've been misbehaving, and my conscience is troubling me. And the doctor, a doctor asked him, and you want something that will strengthen your willpower? Well, no, said the guy. I was thinking of something that would weaken my conscience. <laughs> you see, here's what I've determined over the years. The most miserable people in the world today are those who used to follow Jesus Christ, but today are backslidden or lukewarm. Why? Because You know why they're miserable? Because they know too much. Don't ever get yourself into that place. I like to say it this way, if Jesus is worth anything, he's worth everything. He is Lord of all or not at all. Being a Christian means he's not even number one on your list. He is your list. And so what am I saying? I'm saying don't treat your relationship with Jesus lightly or don't say, hey, it's no big deal if I sin. After all, he will cleanse me. Friends, that is trampling underfoot the blood of Jesus. It is taking the grace of God in vain. The Bible still says God's grace teaches us to say no to sin. It cleanses us. Number five, his blood sanctifies us. You see, cleansing has to do mainly with the old life, the stain of sin, which must be removed and is only preparatory. Sanctification, on the other hand, concerns the new life, and the characteristic of it must be imparted to it by God. Now, the distinction between cleansing and sanctification is clearly marked in Scripture. Consider, for example, Paul reminding us in Ephesians chapter 5, 25 and 26. He says, Christ gave himself for the church that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her. That he may sanctify the church, having cleansed her. So first comes being clean or being cleansed being purified, the second 
then is he sanctifies her. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26. Writing to Timothy, Paul says, If a man therefore purge or cleanses himself from these, he shall be a vessel of honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use. And so sanctification is a blessing which follows after and surpasses cleansing. 1 Peter 1, verse 2, Who had been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, to the sanctifying work of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ, and sprinkling by His blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Then Hebrews 13, 12, And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate, to make people holy through his blood. Now, sanctification means to make people holy, to make you and I holy, to, to consecrate, to separate from the world and to be set apart from sin and set apart unto God so we can enjoy then that intimate fellowship with God and serve him gladly. I like what John Newton, the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, said about sanctification. He said this, I am not what I might be, I am not what I ought to be, I am not what I wish to be, and I am not what I hope to be. But I thank God I am not what I once was, and I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. So we're being cleansed for number five, we're being sanctified. Uh, number six, Christ's blood overcomes Satan and puts him to flight. It puts him to flight. In, in the song, Give God the Glory, there's a line in that song that says, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And it is. There's victory through the blood. I said last week, we don't have to plead the blood. I learned this in Sunday school this morning from our teacher. Albert brought it up as well. But we don't have to plead the blood. Pleading the blood is not a scriptural term or terminology. It's been pled for once and for all. All right, we don't have to pray for victory, rather, we pray from victory, for the battle has been won. Friends, you can overcome the devil by the blood of the Lamb. We said, Show me that in Scripture, glad to. Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 through 12. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, the accuser is Satan, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Here it is, verse 12. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, verse 12, rejoice you heavens and you who dwell in them, but woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Friends, we overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony in that we did not love our, our lives as our own. Now, what's the word of our testimony? The word of our testimony is simply this. I believe in the blood. I believe in the power of the blood. I testify to the prevailing, overcoming power of the precious blood of Jesus. And I proclaim the victory of the blood of Jesus over such and so. Now, if you want to overcome the devil, stand on the blood and proclaim its power. Number six. Number seven. 
The blood gives us access to the Holy of Holies, to our Heavenly Father without reproach. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. The King James Bible says, Having therefore, brethren, boldness, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Then our translation says in verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Christ, our blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us to the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Ephesians 2.13 But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Friends, we can come boldly before God without fear. I mean, God invites us to come boldly before Him. And, and, And so, think about this way. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We have been given access to a whole to a whole realm of, of, of God's glory, God's power, God's presence, simply because of the blood. Number seven. Number eight, Jesus' blood justifies all who believe in him. It justifies all, number eight. In Romans chapter five, verses eight and nine, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And then it goes on, since we have now been justified by his blood. Let me read that again. Since we have now been justified by his, by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? And then Romans chapter 3, 24 and 25. We are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice for atonement through faith in his blood. Now the word justified means to be righteous in God's sight. Or to be made righteous. To establish as right or to be set apart or put right. It means literally to be in a right relationship with God rather than just receiving a mere legal judicial declaration. Here's how it works. Basically, God forgives repentant sinners, those whom he had pronounced guilty through the law, those who are condemned to eternal death. So God forgives repentant sinners. Then God restores them to divine favor. After that, he sets them in a right relationship or fellowship with himself and his will. Now, one of the best illustrations I've heard of justification goes like this. There seems there was a man in England who put his Rolls Royce on a boat and went across to the continent to go on a holiday or a vacation. While he was driving around Europe, something happened to the motor of his Rolls Royce. He cabled the Rolls-Royce company back in England and says, I'm having trouble with my car. What should I do? Well, the Rolls-Royce people flew a mechanic to where he was, where his vehicle was. The mechanic repaired the car, and the mechanic then flew back to England and left the man to continue on his holiday. Now, as you can imagine, this fellow was, was wondering, how, how much is this going to cost me? 
So when he got back to England, he wrote the people a letter and asked how much he owed them. He received a letter from the office of Rolls-Royce that read, Dear Sir, there is no record anywhere in our files that anything ever went wrong with a Rolls-Royce. <laughs> Friends, that's justification. Just as if it never happened. Amen? Just as if we have never sinned. We've been restored to a right relationship with God. A relationship that can, that can be enjoyed. A relationship that says, oh God, in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Friends, we can enjoy and practice the presence of God all because we've been cleansed, we've been sanctified, we're being justified, we've been, we've been put back into a right relationship just as if we've never sinned. Hallelujah. Amen. Number nine, they close with this. Jesus' blood is a guarantee of all the promises of the new covenant. A guarantee of all the promises of the new covenant. We have in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. It says, May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. May the God of peace, he says, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. The eternal covenant. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And then Hebrews chapter 7, 24 through 27. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, verse 25, he is able to save completely those who come to him through faith. Did you read that? Jesus is able to save you completely. We come to him in faith. Because why? He always lives to intercede for them. Then it goes on. Such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike other priests, he says, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. And it says this, He, being Christ, sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. He fulfilled what all the Old Testament types were about. The tabernacle that, that day is being taught in Sunday school right now. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For no matter how many promises God has made, they, the promises of God, are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. And then 2 Corinthians 7.1, Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. See, what does God expect of us once we understand the power of the precious blood of Jesus. Well, I think it starts out with living our lives 
in confidence because of who he is and what he's done. Living our lives as, as a praise offering unto him with a thankful heart, with thanksgiving. I mean, we, the Bible says we, we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. And that's in Romans 5.11 or Leviticus 17 verse 11. It is the blood, it is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. And so we enter into worship, we enter into praise, we enter into thanksgiving. We proclaim the victory of Christ's blood in our lives because there is life in the blood for all who will be cleansed by his blood. See, God wants us, me and you, to appropriate his provisions through the blood. The blood is what brings people near to God. The blood is what reconciles people back to God. We receive the forgiveness of sins through his blood. We have access to the Father, God, in prayer because of the blood. We have union with God because of the blood. We have cleansing. We have sanctification. We have justification through the blood. There is victory over Satan because of the blood. What am I saying? I'm saying the precious blood of Jesus has changed the course of this world. It will change your life. It will change your family. It will change your friends. It will change everything. Why? Because it still speaks today. It still speaks today. The precious blood of Jesus determines our eternal destiny and gives us the peace of God while we travel this journey. I, for one, am thankful for the blood of Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet. We'll close in prayer. Thank you, Lord. Right where you're at today, a question I ask almost every Sunday, and that is this. Do you know Jesus? You know, has your sins been washed by his blood? Have you been redeemed? Or maybe you've come this morning and you're in a backslidden state. You're in a lukewarm state. And Jesus said, I'd rather that you be hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you. I'll spew you out of my mouth. But guess what? God loves, God loves backsliders. God loves sinners. God loves the lukewarm to bring them back to a place of being, being hot. And so if God's speaking to your heart about getting right with God today, about, about redemption, about being saved from your sins, right where you're at, I'm going to ask you, say, Pastor Brian, I'm not ready to meet God right now, but I want to be washed in his blood. I want my sins to be forgiven. And I've never done that, but today is my day of salvation. And today... With Holy Ghost boldness, I lift my hand and say, I need Jesus. I need, I need to have my sins forgiven. And I've never done this. I need Christ in my life. I need, I need to repent of my sins. Just holding steady for a moment. Because I, I do this because I want no one pointing a finger at me on Judgment Day saying, you never gave us opportunity, never gave us a chance. I don't, I don't want your blood on my hands, so to speak. I want to make sure that you're washed and you're cleansed. The final thing is this. Right where you're standing, I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, bow your head in a, in a prayer reverence attitude and be just, just where you're at. It doesn't have to be out loud, but just say, God, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the blood of Christ. Thank you for the blessings that come with the blood that flow from his blood today. The blessings of redemption. The blessings of being part of the church that he bought with his blood. The walls coming down, the barriers coming down. Thank you, Jesus.
Thank you for sanctification. Thank you for cleansing. Thank you for, for justifying us, just as if we've never sinned, putting us back in right relationship with Almighty God, a relationship that can be enjoyed, not endured. And, so, and Lord, so we, we just bless you today, and we thank you for the blood. And Lord, we proclaim the victory of the blood of Jesus over our lives, over our homes, over our kids, over our grandkids. Lord, over this nation, over this nation, over, over this world, we proclaim the victory of the blood of Christ. And for those that don't know you, God, you love people. And that was demonstrated that in that, in that while we were sinners, Christ came and died in our place, shedding innocent blood. And so, God, we pray for a harvest of souls, the north, south, east, and west, God, a harvest of souls for this church, God. And every Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church, Father God, bring into the fold, God, those that are lost that need to be saved and cleansed by the blood of Christ. Lord, we commit this time to you now, this day to you now, and thank you, God, once again. Thank you for the blood in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. If you would like prayer, I'll be available at the, at the altars for prayer. If you just want to come and pray, the altars are open as well. Other than that, but God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Wednesday evening, as I said, Revelation chapter 6, we'll begin looking at the, the, the seals that Christ is going to open from the scroll that he got in Revelation 5, as well as Daniel's 70th week. God bless you all. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen.